0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I am your host, Laurie Brook, and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today, I am joined by Gina Blundell.
1: Hi, my name is Gina, Gina Blundell, and I'm here to talk about my narcissistic relationship with my ex-husband, and I was married to him for over 30 years, and to talk about the trials and tribulations of that
0: marriage. Gina helps women during divorce to independence through a trauma-informed lens to not only survive, but financially thrive. She does this by showing them how to take the first steps to an empowered life so that they can thrive independently, both emotionally and financially, by letting go of the past and taking control by thriving in the next chapter of their lives. She is a qualified, accredited, and certified narcissistic trauma-informed financial coach, coach, brain spotting practitioner, and certified narcissistic abuse specialist. And welcome back to another episode of Relationship Talks. As you would have heard in the introduction, I am here with Gina, and we are going to talk all things about narcissistic relationships. And Gina's going to share with us her story of having been married to her husband for over 30 years and being in a narcissistic relationship. Gina, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) I know it's super late when we're recording this. It's super late for you. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time out to share your story with people because it is one of those things that so many people will be in a relationship with a narcissistic partner and will be thinking that it's them. They'll be thinking, what am I doing Mm. wrong? Why can't I, you know, why can't I make this work? If I I change this, then things will change. So I really, really value your time and appreciate you wanting to share your story to help others. Can Mm -hmm. I ask you about your relationship? Like what's your story? How can you be here today sharing this story with us?
1: Well, my story is it goes back quite a while ago. Um, I met um, Chris on holiday. That's a typical holiday romance, I suppose. Uh, over 35 years ago now. So uh, I was quite young. I was um, in my early 20s uh, at the time. was pretty vulnerable, actually, when I met him because I'd just come out of a relationship like two years previously. So when I think about when I met him, I was quite vulnerable. So I wanted to please, but I always came from that part of me that wanted to please people. So he said all the right things and it was like I believed everything he said, really. <laughs> Uh, and you know i just went along with what he said and he was going to go back to university in uh, about a year from when i met him so i thought oh okay i was at the time working in london i was in uh, working in accounts um, at the time and i was thinking of doing some studying myself actually because uh, to progress further with my career i knew i had to study so i kind of fell into accounts and then i basically then Uh, met him and I thought well since he's going to university I thought I I might as well do that so um, within like uh, six months of meeting him like uh, that Christmas like four months later we like were talking seriously about stuff and then the early part of the following year we got engaged so six months later we were engaged to be married and yet he was going to university in September of that year and then In August of that year we bought a flat so very quickly things happened (laughs) which you know it it was just a whirlwind really and he said everything I wanted to hear it was like he was mirroring everything that I I said and um, it's only when you look back you realise how much uh, the red flags were there from the very beginning they precondition you from the very start so you know all this happened and um so for three years he went back to university and we were quite far apart because the UK in Essex was like um about four or five hours from Manchester University where he went and then I just got stuck into studying myself and stuff like that and at the time um the mortgage went up to like 16% I mean it's probably unheard of like now <laughs> interest rates are going up but they're not as high as that and uh, I think people forget just how bad it was then like people were just being repossessed negative equity we bought it right at the height of the property and then it just crashed basically so uh, house price was just going down and down um, and anyway I was left to pay the mortgage and of course, on my own. Um, and I managed to do that because I actually managed to get a really a good job, uh, like another job that paid me uh, 5,000 a year more at the time. And I just thought completely, um, at least I wasn't repossessed, really even though I went back to the mortgage provider and asked them whether I could, you know, I did that all myself. I didn't have any help from him. When I realized all the stuff that I was doing, I took the most of the risk. In fact, I took all of the risk. Because even if we'd split up, he knew that he'd get half the property, you know, because it was in joint names. You know, when I look back, I just think, how the hell did that happen? But it because you just believe you you you're acting in faith, not in fear, and I think that's that's what it was, it, I, you know. So of course, I just just believed in the fairy tale. I was just you know brought up on the meals and boons type of um, romantic books happy ever after and I thought oh this is going to be great but of course you know uh, what happened was we got married literally the year before he graduated in the night so f- in 91 he graduated so yeah three years and then um, he started uh, he got a job with um, well he was working for BT the British Telecom which um, back then and uh he worked for them for over 30 years, actually. But then he just basically was um, went back to university with them, so then got a job with them, and then he started working. And he says, oh, I'll take a couple of months off while I decorate the house and stuff. Well, I was still working, you know, like full-time. <laughs> and I, it's really funny when I look back. I mean, I can laugh about it in a way now because I just think, oh, my God, it was just bizarre how you kind of – believed in the he just believed in yeah. a partnership that's what i thought it was and at the time you know he made me believe that as well so you just carry on really and so of course we didn't you know we progressed in our careers and we kind of um, saved a lot and stuff like that and then we had uh, kimberly um a few years later she's coming up 26 now um this year and we had Samuel five years after that and that's when I gave up work um when I had Sam so the it's while I was working it was kind of okay in the way that I was out all day and he was as well when we had Kimberly it was me that kind of looked after all the time did all the stuff and went back to work because at the time I was getting paid as an account I was financial controller then. So I um at the time the maternity thing um that the company introduced because somebody else was pregnant, we got paid, which was unheard of in those days. Like we got paid the whole time. But we had to go back for three months, um, straight back after, you know, so I took the longest that I could take off. And then but Kimberly was only six months old. I didn't really want to leave her. But I just thought, right, I'll go back for three months and then I just went back anyway for the first five years of her life. So she was like in childminders and, you know, nannies and stuff like that. My my mum and dad looked after her for a couple of days a week as well in that time. And then of course, when she was like nearly five, I had Samuel and then I gave up work completely. But as soon as I gave up, the abuse just got worse because I wasn't earning any money. So it was like he was earning all the money And it's as if I didn't do anything to contribute, but I had contributed up to that point because, but the thing is, it was as if it was nothing. And he said, like, he let me give up work um, because half my salary would be going in childcare and it just, it wouldn't have costed in really. Um, So one of us, um, and it would be me, looked after the children and I kind of threw myself into looking after them, really. And uh, so Kimberly went to a um, private, you know, prep school. So then we sent Samuel there as well. And then when both the children, uh, Kimberly passed the 11, the eleven plus, they went to grammar school, sort of thing. But where Samuel didn't, but so we sent him to an independent school at the time too, so we could do that Uh, because Chris was doing okay with his work and stuff. And, you know, but the thing is, it was like, um, it was all, he made all the decisions. Every decision we did with houses and where we moved to and getting this place in Devon like a holiday let. So that's why it was in my name because of the tax. So everything that we was ever done was because he wanted it the way he wanted it. And that was it. And then you know, like I didn't even realise I was in an abusive relationship. Like a lot of people, they don't you don't actually realise you're in it until you come out of it and and you realise what you've been through. So the gaslighting, the manipulation, the hoovering, all of those things, the love bombing, it's just horrendous. It really is. And you just can't believe, but your brain is trying to keep you safe. Your, you know, your nervous system is there for a reason and you know you're in that fight flight freeze fawn all the time you're actually living like that because you don't want to upset them you don't want to antagonize them in any way you're conditioned to do that yeah.
0: but it's also a, a different way of thinking too in the sense that when you're a person who would never behave that way you you don't yeah. actually think that anyone else would or could behave in that way so when people yes. are doing actions you're kind of thinking Oh well that's because they love me or that's because you know because yeah. what that's how I would act that's you know you try and yeah. assimilate that behavior to yours can i ask what um what happened for your relationship to break down did you realize that there was abuse or was that just something that ran its course well
1: what happened was i think i basically after 11 years of being a housewife at home um he, when Samuel was going to a senior school, which was quite a lot of money, he said, right, you're going to have to go back to work. You're going to have to get on that train, get back into you what you did before. I did part-time management care, only like a few hours a week to work around the children. But again, I had to find the childcare. I only did it for 18 months because it was an absolute nightmare because uh, Kim Samuel was only six at the time. Kimberly was 11. I still had to do that because... Chris was never there. He he was away with work a lot of the time. So it was left to me. He he wouldn't be able to look after them. So, it, you know, it was like that. So effectively, I re- I, you know, I, I thought, I'm not going back. And it just stressed me out completely um, because I couldn't go back on that train because it would be 12-hour days. So then I'd have to get Samuel picked up somehow because even though he's going to senior school and Kimberly could come back on her own, He was only 11, so I just thought, well, how the hell can I do that? And so, of course, um, so I was kind of looking, like I'd gone on to the, you know, like recruitment sites and looked for like part-time, maybe part-time staff, um, but not in London, but locally, again. Um, And then came across um, a home-based business. Um, And I'd come across it before, actually, a few years before, because one of the mum's, like sold the products and stuff and ran her reflexology and she introduced me to it so I kind of knew it was legitimate and so I thought you know what I'm just gonna look into this and I met up with a lady in London and then basically I just started using some of the products and not you know I didn't really I was just thinking oh I'll look into it and then look at the business behind it and then what happened was I started using the products and then I um, joined some networking groups just literally six, seven months later not meaning to take it any you know, like I just wanted to do something for myself to get out of the house and not just be like a mum and a wife and so of course he hated it because and then he called it all the names like parents and all of that stuff which he would do, he said oh what are you doing that for, you're an accountant why can't you go back into, you know because it was a threat really Because I was meeting all these new people and he didn't like it one little bit. And so, of course, then I just sort of started to mix with inspirational people, with networking and all of that. And then I started to go on the trips, but paid for some of them and just to get away from him, really. And when I realized now what I was trying to do, and it was, you know, um, I can't believe it's like nearly 10 years ago. So it kind of was the catalyst, really for me to get away from him, and it was just, you know, he was um, being really abusive then, like really, um, I mean, he was before screaming and shouting, but it just became like worse because it was just, he couldn't, like, he couldn't stop me from doing it. Um, He tried, but he couldn't, and that was, I was on a trip, and then a friend said, you're not really living your life, and it, it was the end of 2019 and I just thought, you know what? And I, I'd sort of come to my re- the realisation myself because I tried to leave about a year or two before that and he loved bomb me back saying, oh, no, no, we, we, I love you and all of this. But, you see, they can't emotionally connect. They can never say it to you, so they write it in a note, like in an email and stuff like that. It wasn't real. So, because... I didn't know about emotionally at that time It was beginning of 2018. I didn't know until later on. And it was a friend that said, why don't you join this group? And that's when I joined one of the groups that highlighted this in the summer of 2019. And then I worked with that lady, like the beginning of the following year, one-to-one and now I'm in her group, but it's really funny how things turn out, isn't it? And you know, I just joined, and I looked at all the stuff in there, and I was thinking, I was the, it was the realization after a few months, and I thought, oh my god, I cannot believe it's like they're talking about the same person in different ways and it that was just it then and I thought I'd already seen a solicitor the summer of that year anyway and I knew I wanted to go and she said when you're ready I'm ready but because I'd networked quite a lot I'd built up a network of people like a financial I knew I had an IFA through um, networking I got a solicitor and so I had a network whereas he didn't so a people that would help me so it was just that was the thing that made me think even though I'd been married like so long. Long. I felt quite stuck, but I knew I could do this if I just put one step in at a time and I just kept moving forward. And that's exactly what I did. And then I just filed for divorce, but he just didn't believe me. He just wouldn't have it. He just really said to my solicitor, Oh, no, we're sorting it out. And then she said, Right, we've given him enough time. Shall we just file? I said, can I do that? So she said, yeah. So that's when I did. And then he went absolutely mental, really, was really horrible. And I thought, oh, my God. And I just, you know, the abuse was coercive. And, you know, he would scream and smash things and stuff like that. He never hit me. But I wish, sometimes you wish they would so you could just get the pulley, you know, because you can't otherwise, because it's hard to prove, isn't it, that that's happening behind closed doors. And it, you know, so... He was very careful not to, though, very controlled in not doing that because, and they are actually more scared of you than you are of, you know. They are a lot more scared of you when you stand up to them and they are completely out of control then. And they just try everything to get that control back. And when they don't, it's like it's mayhem. they're, They're out of control themselves because they can't, they don't know what to do. They they just see things in black and white. They don't see the. They don't see anything else. They just see red, and they, you know, that's yeah. So, but you learn all this along the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is Time what I did. wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. You yeah. learn that you just think, oh my god, you know, it's yeah. So you start following other people, and then you get more and more confident and stuff. And but I think I'm glad I had. Like coaching therapy at the start, I just invested in that straight away because I think that helped me so much to um, validate and also uh, the stuck trauma in the body root cause resolution. It's it, you know is amazing how how that um, how that works and you know so you felt more confident to do things.
0: How are your children mm-hmm. through this process?
1: Yeah, that was it's quite. <clears throat> Um, even though they're adults it was hard for them it, it really was my daughter especially she's still not quite right really it's a back and forth it's like a boomerang she's out there then she's back then she's you know she um she's very angry all the time she's coming from her protector parts of anger a lot of the time and um self-sabotage like jealousy and stuff as well and it- it's like
0: big change yeah. for them yeah so it is um trying to especially when you've got a narcissistic um, parent to understand that manipulation and that control that they're then exerting over you as the child and yes yeah, that's right um, trying to figure out no but they love me they're my parent they're supposed to love me yes and it's just this whole conundrum of which ball am I catching today
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it is like that a lot. And it's going to be like that because we've only been um, my ex dragged it right out, cost tens of thousands of pounds to get divorced. And so when I filed in January 2020, we didn't get divorced till November 2021. So it's practically practically two years later. But this is common, very common. Um, I've got friends that have had the same issues as well. So you know, so it's, yeah, but all you can do is is love your children unconditionally. And that's what I've said to them, look, I know you're hurting. And especially with my daughter, my son is very level headed. And um, we get on really well. So there's that jealousy element between Kimberly. my daughter thinks that I love him more because, but then Samuel can see the dynamic, he doesn't rise to the bait as much as Kimberly does with my ex-husband and he manipulates her a lot. And he can't manipulate Sam so my son so much. He just tries, but Samuel says, Oh, that, you know, that's to do with you and Mum you know, and that's what he was he's always been like, actually. And he said that to Kim, my daughter as well. But she just is all over the place with a lot of things. She was actually in an abusive relationship herself, not written, and then she left that. And she said to me, "If I, if you hadn't left dad, I may have still been in it." And so she's kind of with someone else, but it's the dynamics different. And in, in in that she is trying to manipulate and control him, this guy that she's with, and he's a few years younger. And I can see the dynamic, but she she just it's really sad. Actually, I can't. You know, um, it's just I've got to go with it at the moment, but it's. You know, we've only been like divorced a year and a bit, so it's like just just um, just being there for her, really, and yeah. being there for my son, and that's all I can really do. You know. So but, looking um,
0: back, because hindsight te- teaches us so much. Yes. Yeah, it does. What? Yeah. What do you think was a red, like a major red flag for you that you missed at
1: the beginning? You mean at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Um It's really funny because he told me what he was like at. Like, I remember when we got a cab pack from going out, like, I'd only met him a few days before. And he says, Oh, and we were sitting in this, like, nightclub, I suppose it was, played Las America in Tenerife. So it's, <laughs> and it's probably still similar. Anyway, so he was, we got in this, I was a bit worried actually, because um, he says, Oh, usually, you know, I, I go out with girls, but I usually leave them like here like and go out and just leave them at the nightclub and I he said that to me and I just thought oh because I was a bit like I didn't I was quite taken aback and then we were walking along we got in this cab but he said it in the cab I can't remember it's so long ago but it that jolted me and I thought oh that's a bit weird why would you There's certain other things as well that he did and Stupid things as well, which yeah, when you look back, you just think, why the hell did I? You know, I just believed what the what he said, and it was just didn't really tally with what is what he was saying then. If you see what I mean to what he said later on, yeah, and it doesn't make se- it doesn't none of it actually makes any sense now when I look back. It's but it but when you're young. You're young, aren't you? Just uh, you just believe what I suppose it goes back to when your parents were. You know, my dad always used to say to me, "Oh, don't worry, you, you'll get married and you'll be fine." Always used to say things like that, and it kind of goes into your subconscious. So, of course, I don't know. I I was vulnerable as well, I suppose, at the time because you've been hurt before, and so you just think, oh, yeah, there was all that going on as well, and so of course. The cognitive dissonance when you think your brain just wants to believe that safety that oh well he's all right he can't be that bad because of this yeah but really he's, looking they're for not the that reason. yeah you're looking for the reason um my ex-sister-in-laws who are still married to his brothers who are the same as him because they were brought up you know and the Dynamics is exactly the same but they won't have have anything said against it because they don't want to face it but they know they know deep down but it's cognitive dissonance that keeps you there because like they're pillars of the community and stuff like they go to church so that must be okay you know but it's not and I'm the one that's you know left and yet you know both sets of parents are married for life and blah, blah 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 and they've been married a long time as well so it's like I'm literally stopped it stopped the trauma from happening you know several generations lately so so I've just stopped it but of course I'm the one that's blamed because I left and my mum's you know we don't speak and it's all the dynamic it it just is really not great
0: (laughs) That takes a lot of, of courage for you, especially when you've got that dynamic where you've got parents yeah. who have been married for a lifetime, and you've got all the family around you who have in relationships, and even if they're not great relationships, they're sticking it out. Yes, exactly. High water, so to speak. Mm, that's um, right. The courage to be that person and say, "No, this isn't the life that I want to live." That takes an enormous amount of strength. So yes. Where did you um, find that strength? Well.
1: From? I just thought I've just got one life, and when that person said to me on that, on that, I remember it so clearly. And I thought he said, "You're not really living your life." And I just thought, you know what? It just the, it was that moment. It was just that one that moment. I was thinking, God, you know what? It's going to be a new year, not only a new year, but a new decade. You want to spend another ten years? Like you're going to be married thirty years. I think it was that the fact. I was going to be married thirty years in that June uh, twenty twenty, and I thought, no. I, I just thought, no. I've got to do this now. I've got to have. I've just got to face the fear and just do it. And it it wasn't easy, but because I had people that were there for me, I knew even if you've got one or two people, that's fine. And I just thought, no, I've got to do it. And I was I was so unhappy, but I was waiting because obviously my son wasn't 18 till the April of that year. Um, and I was waiting for him to be 18. He was begging me not to do it before he finished like his A-levels at school to go back to to go to university. But I just thought, no, it's fine. And because of COVID and, you know, all these things happened after. I'd, I thought, no, it's happening in January. I'm filing for divorce. And so thing is, with the thing, you can't tell anyone. You've just got to do it. And I think, for me, I just didn't want to – I was so unhappy, and I just thought, no, this has got to – I've got to do it now. And um, Because it was two years after I said I was leaving, like, told him and wrote a letter and stuff, and I didn't do any of that. I just filed, and that's because – he didn't think I was serious because of the two years. Do you see what I mean? So he was thinking, oh, she's doing it again. And, you know, we'll just go back to normal. But but it wasn't I was just determined. I I just thought I don't want to get to 30 years. I don't want to get I don't want to stay here any longer. And you've just got one life You, you really have. And, you know, and you don't know what's on the other side until you know what's on the other side when you've done it and oh my god my life now is just amazing I just you know I love living in Devon I'm five hours away from Essex from where they all live and it's fine and I I speak to my younger brother I don't speak to my other brother because he's like friends with my ex-husband see this is the dynamic you see when this happens because the dynamic in your own family is the same as his family to see what it's just was the other way around, but his, both his parents died quite, you know, his dad died like a year after we got married so 30 odd years ago now of a brain tumor, but he was the narcissist in terms of his mum was, the, you know, the homemaker and the sort she just did exactly what he said. And even though he died and she had 18 years on her own with her mindset, it never changed. So of course she did, what he wanted her to do anyway. Because he died, she didn't change. So you have to change for your life to change. But she just carried on with whatever she carried on with, with the stuff that he put in place and stuff like that. So I, <laughs> So it's sad, it's sad, actually, because she was such a lovely lady. His mum was so giving and kind. And, but that's the thing. They go for the people that are empathetic kind you know all of those things and my I'm like my dad and my dad died several years ago if he was still alive there's no way that he was the underpin of our family and he was he always had my back always so you know um, with my brothers are similar to my mum but not my younger brother because he he's between the two, sort of thing, and he now sees the dynamic with my other brother. They never really got on, and then, you know. So when all this hit, it was it was quite, um, yeah, a, a thing. So it's
0: yeah. So tell me about sad. your work. Tell me about your work now, because you are you've crossed the bridge. You've made that change yeah. for your life. You're loving it, and now you're actually working with women who are coming through very similar situations to your own
1: yeah to they help are them thrive yes yeah post traumatic growth you can turn it around um you really can and uh i did yeah some qualifications last year and and basically getting out there talking to like groups of people as well now especially networking and stuff like that as well and um yeah I want to help people that I mean there's there's so many women that are really stuck in long-term relationships like I'm going like 15 20 30 40 even 50 years realizing oh my god I've wasted 50 years of my life and it's it's so it's just really uh, yeah and you can see the dynamic because you think they're going to change but they never will and because they're just wired like that and because of their own trauma that happened at a very young age and it yeah I mean that's what I want to make a difference in this world to you know There's a few of us that do as well. I think it's trauma is stored in the body, and it needs to. We need to get to the root cause of that. And cognitively, you know, talk therapy is all very well, but it does it validates what you've been through, but it doesn't actually get to the stuck trauma that's you walk around with because. Of past experiences and stuff like that so, so yeah my do do mission to is to help
0: them get rid of that trauma
1: well the thing i basically got these uh, a program you know to go through with them as to what where they are in their lives at the moment in terms of whether they're still in the relationship or whether they've left the relationship or whether they want to leave or they don't feel they can leave and it's um going through their nervous system of as to where they are now with what they're, what they're feeling whether they want you because you see you want to keep them safe as well because your brain you know you don't want if they're still there and they haven't made the decision to to leave it's you know you've got to make sure that they're safe as well and they're not you know and um and go with what their nervous system is because you can sit tell when someone's dysregulated and, and they, they they feel as though they can't do certain things. Cause I remember feeling like that myself and you can only go as far as they want to go because you know in the co- in coaching them as well. So it's like seeing where they are and what they want to do. And you know, because if you see someone every two weeks you know, it's, they might feel completely different. They might say, right, I'm going to do this. And then two weeks later, oh, no, I can't. Um, he's done this or that or, you know, <laughs> and it's you, you go with what they what they want from the session. So um, and using like mapping, nervous system mapping and, you know, um, regulation techniques, um, toning their vagus nerve, and, you know, and being grounded and breath work and stuff, you know depending on what on what they come with really um and yeah but getting out there with talking about it and um speaking thing about it as well which in different groups which is quite a good thing to do now so,
0: absolutely yeah. and I think by talking yeah. about it and sharing your story it opens up I suppose just that thought process for those who are going through it of going well maybe my life doesn't have to be this way and it could be that seed that gets planted for them to start thinking about what they could do to make the change even if they're not ready to make the change it's just that first little step exactly
1: and it is a little step that makes a massive massive difference because you see that first step is the most scariest thing that you're doing at first Um, I remember how I felt and because it's the unknown we don't know what is going to happen and to do to take that step is is monumental actually it really is and um, you know and if you can get help from like coaching someone and they've got a solicitor you don't really want to talk to a solicitor because they can't help you really because they don't you know well they can talk to you but they're they're not gonna
0: expensive
1: and they're expensive they'll charge you exactly so you need both really if you can do both then invest in both you know like this i'm really glad i did that because it helped me a lot because i I knew i had that yeah um you know that 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 backup if you like um and um you know then you realize who you're friends are or your real friends are and that a lot of people fall away. That's, that's the sad thing. But the thing is, I think it's because they don't want to face certain things with their own stuff. Found that as well. But I think, you know, um, it's good if you've got your family, but if you haven't, it's not the end of the world either. You know, you just got to, just got to believe that you can, you can do that. If that's what you really, really want to do, um, you know, and, and it, you can do it and uh, a lot of us have so it's um you know it's something that's doable and i think well i suppose when i look back i i wish i had done it years ago <laughs> but of course you know you can't uh, you you have to be ready when you're ready and i think for me that was the the crux of it all i think my i want i thought i was giving my children a stable home environment but you're actually not you're teaching them how another how their dad can treat their mum you know and then they'll look like for that in the relationships and it's changed it because you've changed it whatever happens in their relationships now because you're coming from a trauma informed lens and you the dynamic of relationships you're so self aware of a lot of things around you you can tell when people are not quite sure of what they're saying and stuff like that. It's it's quite um, eye-opening, actually, you know, um, when you look at other people. So,
0: yeah. It's amazing how much I suppose that changing the lens of how you look at a situation really change how you feel, how you act, how you behave and what you see in people. Yes, yeah.
1: And you become, you know, you, you become a different person as well because you can you know, you don't come from that protector part all the time. Or when it comes up, you can see it and you just think, right, why am I feeling this emotion, like the anger or jealousy or stuff like that. And that has come up, because I'm away, I'm five hours away, and then they kind of see their dad. But it's only because it's convenient, because they're right there. They're living there as well. They're not, you know, I'm five hours away. So for them to come here, it's more of an effort and they do miss me. But the thing is, it's like Kimberly's, my daughter's very angry about that. She doesn't like it and she doesn't know how to process that emotion. Um, So she processes it by saying, by being angry, by coming from that part of her, not her true self. She, she's not coming from, she still, you know, she still cares and loves me, but she's not coming from that compassion kindness which is is her really and she's coming from the part of anger and it's yeah but at least I can see that you know um because of the work that I've done and continue to heal and we all heal together and we you know we continue that journey and throughout your whole life and if you can just help a few people it's the ripple effect isn't it so you know very much so thank
0: you so much Gina I've really enjoyed our chat today thank you so much for sharing your story
1: thank you for having me as well thank you
0: and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of relationship talks if you can I would love for you to jump on and leave a review and whilst you are at it don't forget to like and subscribe to our youtube channel Please join me again next week when we get to take a look behind closed doors at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke. And remember, the choice is yours, so make today and the week the very best it can be.